There is something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away, but there's something about that name. And all God's people said, Amen. Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the mist of a bush. And so he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Amen. I'm going to stop right there. I want to tag this little word, a meeting at the bush. A meeting at the bush. Dr. Whittle, in today's passage in Exodus, we get to see God... Call, compel, Uh and commission Uh Moses, a shepherd, Mm -hmm. to a divine meeting. And we can learn today that when God got ready to save Uh and deliver a people, he raised up a shepherd. He would send a man Mm -hmm. that nobody ever expected. To come and to intercede for them. Moses was what I call an unlikely candidate. To work for God. But God could use him for his honor and his glory in the earth. Can I tell you why? God uses shepherds to care for sheep. He uses shepherds to lead humans onto his agenda in the earth. So briefly today, I can't give it all to you. I don't think y'all could handle it at two in the afternoon. Let me give you three things. Let's look at what happened when God called Moses. What happened when God compelled Moses? And what happened when God commissioned Moses? Y'all will help me walk through here. Verse number one, the Bible says, now Moses, he was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. The brother had a job and he just dropped something right there. He led the flock to the backside of the desert and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire and from the midst of a bush. So he looked, Moses did, and behold, the bush was burning. 
with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight. Why this bush burns. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush. Sister Lucy and he said, Moses, Moses, Moses said, here am I. The Lord said, don't come any closer. Take your sandals off because the place where you stand is holy ground. Can I say some more? And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Can I unpack this for y'all today? Beloved, when you come to this first portion of the narrative, the first thing that we see is when God appears to Moses, God calls Moses. Secondly, when he calls Moses, Moses is already employed. He's already doing something else with his life somewhere else. Can I tell you why? God never called a man who ain't doing nothing. You don't have to be doing what he wants you to do, but you ought to have a job doing something. I just dropped something right there. Secondly, we see here that Moses is working in what we call as agriculture. He's working as a shepherd in his father-in-law's business. And he was self-employed. Thirdly, when God calls him, he appears to him in an unusual way. The Bible calls this a theophany. In the Old Testament, a theophany was an appearance of God in the form of the angel of the Lord. Here it is. It's an Old Testament appearance of Christ. Jesus showed up to reveal himself to Moses at the burning bush. Can I tell you why that's consistent? When he shows up in the New Testament, he shows up as Emmanuel. God with us and he calls men unto himself with his visible presence but it wasn't new God was already showing up in the Old Testament calling people to work for him in the earth that's why the Bible can say he's the same yesterday today and forevermore I'm getting excited right around through there he's the same God tell your neighbor same God now, I like this. I like this. We discover that God calls this shepherd. When he calls him, he calls him in a quiet place. Uh-huh. Notice that he waited. He didn't call Moses when he was living in Egypt. Uh-huh. He waited till he got out in the desert uh-huh. alone in the quiet place, the desert place, Banks. Why? God waited because he knew Moses would have no excuses about what he saw, what he heard. He couldn't make this up. Sister Will, no, he had to know that was God. Can I say some more? Thirdly, this is what I call a divine meeting. It's a divine meeting because Dr. Clark said this in the sermon he preached. This was no ordinary bush. This bush was in that location, in that vicinity, at the right time to do the bidding of God. 
It's what Clark called a geovistic setup. Why? God ordered the meeting at the bush in the middle of the desert at the mountain of God. See, God knew when Moses was going to bring them little sheep around that curve. And when the time was right, he decided I'm going to meet it because I got something I need him to do. Oh, God, I'm trying to help myself. Well, all I'm trying to say is that meeting you had was a divine setup. It didn't happen on this time or that time or maybe when friendship acts that time. He had a direct time that he was going to set up that meeting, Pastor, and reveal himself to you like he never revealed himself to you before. Can I say some more? The Bible is clear that said it was burning with fire. But it wasn't like no normal fire. The bush was burning, but it wasn't consumed. Which means that it didn't burn, but yet it was on fire. It was on fire, but didn't no man set it with matches. It was on fire, yet it wasn't destroyed. It was on fire, but these flames was different than other flames. This fire, Banks, it burned with intentionality. It burned with persuasion and the power of God. This was a fire that was set for a special meeting. This fire was for an encounter with God. A friend in my library suggests that this burning bush has a powerful meaning. Number one, this bush itself was the picture of God. For it revealed his glory and his power. And yet it was not consumed. I, I, here it is. I heard the author say, God is like an all-consuming fire. And Moses needed to know this God if he was going to work with this God. Can I say some more? This whole appearance at the bush was getting ready to change Moses' life and the people of Israel's life. Did y'all catch that right there? They had no idea what God was doing in the desert of Media. That's right. That's right. They was over in Egypt crying for a deliverer. God was working on the delivery. I just dropped something right there. Friendship had no idea that God was preparing a man on the backside of Fresno to be able to come down to Selma and help deliver a people that have been captive by the systems of this old world. Boy, y'all didn't let me loose. I might just preach today. First of all, I noticed before God could use Moses, he was brought to the place where he had to bow low before God. Don't read that too fast. God told him, take his shoes off. This ain't no ordinary meeting. Let's establish who's in control here. Moses, in order to respond to the assignment, has to first humble himself. Can I argue my case? God never uses a person until they humble themselves. He can't use your pride and puffed up. He's got to humble you before he uses you. I just dropped something right there. Can I say some more? Take off your shoes, he says. Now, this is important because as he separates, yes, himself 
from his call by humbling himself. What we see here is Moses now, yes, being willing to do whatever God asked him to do. In the Hebrew, it's not written as a suggestion. Take off your shoes. It's a command. He want to see if he's going to obey. Are you with me here? Moses had to submit himself. Deke, he has to submit himself. And by submitting himself, he is recognizing I'm submitting to the call or whatever you have for me. I like this right here because Moses as a shepherd at the bush was called by God to place himself in a position where he might first see God before he sees the people. Did y'all catch that? See, this call ain't between Moses and the people. This call ain't even about Moses delivering people. This call is about Moses getting to know God. And when he gets to know God, God's going to use him in ways that he never thought he'd use them before. I just said something right there. I promise you I just said something right there. Your call ain't never about the people. This is personal between you and God. He just happened to use you to lead people where God is trying to get them to go. And I say, Simone, here's all I'm trying to say. I stopped by to tell you, Dr. Whittle, for your own memory, remember the bush. When they get discouraged, remember the bush. When the people ain't acting right, remember the bush. When your health Start to buffet against you. Remember the bush. Remember the bush when it gets lonely. Remember the bush when his word ain't so clear no more. Remember the bush when he get quiet. And he ain't answering your prayer. Remember the bush when the vote go your way. And when the vote don't go your way. Remember the bush when you get ready to throw in the town. Remember the bush when the compassion wears off and it ain't so new no more. Remember the bush when the hounds of hell get louder and louder. Here it is so y'all can say man, when the money get funny and the change get strange. Remember the bush. Don't forget that bush. When you see fruit and when the baptism pool been dry all year. Remember the bush. The bush will be a reminder to you, Elder, of who called you there. We've looked at what happens when God called Moses. Y'all still with me? Let's look now at what happened when God compels Moses. In verse 7, listen to this. The Lord said to Moses, Moses, I've surely seen the oppression of my people. Uh Poor in Egypt. Moses, I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. And Moses, I know their sorrows. Now watch this verse 8. Yahweh says, so I have come down Uh to deliver them Uh out of the hands of the Egyptians. I've come down, Moses, Uh and I'm going to bring them up Uh from that land Uh to a good and a large land. To a land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, I feel myself right there. To the place of the Canaanites, 
and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites. And Dr. Kevin Stafford said, and Lolly Dottie and everybody. Amen. When you come to this portion of the text, you get to see God compel Moses with his own story of oppression and slavery. Y'all catch it? God tell Moses about his own people and the struggle that they are living under in a sinful world. See, Moses is a man with what I call a spirit for social justice. With a fire burning down inside of him for seeing his own people set free. I got some Bible for my theology. Y'all gonna help me here? Remember 40 years ago when he was the daughter, son of Pharaoh's sister. And he was living in Egypt. Graduated from Pharaoh's university. Can I go there? The Bible says he was out one day walking in the hood. And he saw uh, an Egyptian arguing with his brother. Are you with me here? Or a policeman, brother, arguing with his brother. And Moses looked to the left and looked to the right and said, I'm going to deal with this right now. The Bible says he killed the police. I ain't making it up. Don't make it up what? Look it up. The Bible says he killed the police and then hid his body in the sand. Next day he came walking in the hood and saw two of the brothers arguing and he tried to break up an argument and they jumped on Moses. Like who you think you are? Are you going to kill us? Like you killed the police yesterday? See Moses tried to handle social justice on his own. He tried to deal with police brutality in his own strength. God was going to deliver them, but it was in his time, not Moses' time. Y'all in here now? So when he goes on the run for his life, and now he's in median, God meets him and said, now Moses, I'll come down. And I'm getting ready to deliver my people. Did you see that there? See, God already knows what's in Moses. He knows that Moses understands the suffering of his people. But when the time is right, he's going to use it to deliver his people. Can I say some more? Here's what I noticed here with him. God extends to Moses the divine opportunity to join him in what his agenda is in the earth. Oh, God. Well, what is it? God by actively working in social justice, was going to use Moses for kingdom salvation and the exodus of his people from the place that had them in oppression. But it was on God's agenda, not Moses's. Y'all in here now? You can march to your feet of sore, but deliverance won't come until God get ready. So you know I'm not making it up I'm not making it up, brothers and sisters. God said, I have seen. I have heard. I have known of their struggle. And I have come down. Good God Almighty. What a message. What a message. When you come to that passage again, you get to see God clearly identify with the mission for Moses. So this makes me know, friendship, Moses ain't no ordinary choice. All right. 
He understood the suffering of the Hebrews. So God had to set up the meeting to compel him. Can I say some more? God doesn't have to use a compelling argument. Brothers and sisters, no. He could have just made them do it. Here it is. God had a million ways to make them Egyptians act right. Y'all read chapter 4? Chapter 5? He used little bitty lice. Little bitty frogs. Locusts. Come on, talk to me. Turn the water in the blood. He didn't need Moses. Are y'all in here? He had already had the battle strategy laid out. But he compels Moses. Why? He wants Moses to get to know him. Y'all too cool for me. See, this was about God getting to know Moses. Moses, I'm going to let you get to know me. I already know what I'm going to do in Selma. But so that you get to know me better, I'm going to invite you to join me in what I'm already doing. I know y'all think it was the vote that made the choice. Whatever you want to live with, that's all good with me. But I want you to know God had already went before you. Uh, Y'all too cool for me. I like this. God could have did it a million ways. But he chose to use Moses. He wanted Moses to get to know him. Why? He's a covenant God. Did y'all catch that? He uses people to save people. He uses people to help people. He uses people to bless people. Uh, Here it is, Neely. He uses people to serve people. To elevate people. To protect people. To work with people. Why? He's a covenant God. It's consistent with everything he was doing in Genesis. So he's not going to break the covenant now. Are y'all with me here? God chooses to work through covenant. Thirdly, he compels Moses because he has something better for his people. He has a place. Oh, God. That's going to be the answer to their humanistic worlds. Are you with me here? It's a place where they can cease from their troubles. It's a place where their fears will be relieved. It's a place that's especially designed for them. He has a place where they'll be safe from their enemy. And he needs a shepherd that'll lead those people to that place. Can I cut across the field? He sent you a pastor because he's trying to lead you somewhere. Heaven is that place where all your fear is going to be relieved. I'm trying to talk to somebody. Heaven is that place where God's going to take away all the cares of this old world. But you need a shepherd who's going to get you from this place to the next location. And in order to be a shepherd, he's got to be a covenant man. A man who will compel you to follow the one he's been compelled to follow. I got too much in here. Let me hump it off and get on across the field. We've looked. Yes, at what happened when God called Moses. We've looked at what happened when God compelled Moses. Let me land the plane now and show you what happened when God commissioned Moses. The Bible said in verse 9, Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, Moses, and I've seen the oppression with the Egyptians have oppressed them. Come now. There it is. There's the commission. Come now. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh 
that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Thank you, beloved, for your listening ears on this afternoon. When we come to this last portion of the text, you get to see the commission of God over Moses' life and for Moses' life. He's been called, (coughs) compelled, and commissioned to do what no other man on the face of the earth has ever done. Moses is to handle God's business in the earth. Moses is to face God's people, God's enemies with all, and God's business in the place that he just ran away from. Somebody missed me. He got to go back to the place where his ministry failed the first time. (laughs) He got to go to a place where nobody asked him to come. He got to go to a place where there ain't no retirement fund. Ain't no insurance. Ain't no no, uh, uh, housing plan. Y'all with me here? None of that. He got to go to a place and he got to look for God to meet him in the place. This ain't no easy task. Ain't nobody going to meet him in Egypt with a welcome home party. Ain't nobody going to help him relocate from Midian back to Egypt. Moses is working for God and for God alone. Can I help somebody here? Let me. Can I just unburden myself? Listen, beloved, no pastor works for the people. You don't want to be a pastor and work for the people. That's a bad assignment. You want to be a pastor who works for God. Are you with me here? If you work for the people, the people are in charge. And the people don't know what they want. Moses has been commissioned by God. But this is the cold thing. Can I just argue my case? God don't tell him up front everything that's coming with this position. I lost half my crowd right there. God only tells him what he wants him to know. He's on a need to know basis with God. Y'all with me here? For example, God don't tell him, Moses, you're going to get them out of that bad situation they're in. But they're going to turn on you. God don't tell him that there's going to be a coup that rises up in the congregation. And I'm going to have to kill half of them. God don't tell him about all the fights he's about to get into. Just trying to obey the will of the Lord. He don't tell him that up front. Because I believe if he did, Moses would be like, oh God, I am I'm good at many. He didn't tell him he wasn't going into the promised land. That's right, daughter. That's right. That's right, daughter. Amen. Listen, in the commission of God, he never tells you everything. Come here, somebody who wants your ministry to be perfect. You want your ministry to be without problems. I wish it was, daughter. I wish ministry was like you dreamed it could be. There's pride. I don't care what your ministry is. If it's in the choir, if it's on the usher board, if it's working with the children, you're going to have some problems. 
Look at your neighbor and tell him, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let me get out of here. I've been bothering y'all too long. I got to leave you now. But first lady, always remember, my brother, always remember, in this assignment, God didn't need Moses. But he chose to use Moses. God could have just said the word. And any beast, any bird, any creature in nature could have rose up and did the task. But God chose Moses to be a co-laborer for him in the earth. See, when you start to think God needs you, you on slippery ground. God don't have to call you, but the fact that he called you is more than you deserve. I'll never forget my pastor told me a story in Chicago. He said, Wilson, I remember when I got so full of myself. He said, I was a professor at the university and God had called me to this church and it was growing, but they could never raise enough money to take care of my salary. He said, and I didn't even have an office. I took the broom closet and converted it to an office. And one day I decide I'm going to call God in a meeting. He said, I sat on my desk and said, now look here, God. I've obeyed your word. I've been laying down my life for these people. And this is all I got, God. He said, it was as if God himself came down. Sister Sonia in that meeting said, let me tell you something, boy. If I let you preach to one person, that's more than you deserve. He said, if I let you even handle my word, that's more than you even deserve. And after he got through running through that list, he said, Pastor, I crawled up under that table and told God, I'm sorry for thinking I could command Yahweh to understand what I'm feeling. He said, God told me, boy, I don't need you. <laughs> and I held on to that story all my life. Just when I start to smell myself, I'm talking about me. Can y'all handle it? I get reminded for that story. Boy, don't get it twisted. God don't need you. Can I say some more? I said, can I say some more? He commissions Moses. Why? Because he's got a track record of calling compelling and commissioning shepherds for the work of the ministry. When I look at the record, I'm reminded of this divine fraternal order. Listen, do you know that when Jesus came down from heaven, he was born of a virgin. He had humble beginnings. He grew up in northern Palestine. But when the time was right, he too had to receive a calling. It was at John's baptism. Y'all was there when the heavens opened. And the Spirit of God descended upon him in the form of a dove. And the voice said, this is my beloved son and whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus, after his calling, was commissioned to go into the desert. Where he had for 40 days and 40 nights had to do battle with the underworld. Don't you think for one minute that when God called you, there ain't a devil waiting to try you to see if your calling is really sure. Can I say some more? Jesus had to go through that 
in order to respond to what God was calling him to do. I'm trying to get out of here, but when he left there, the Bible said he went back home to announce his new calling. They heard him preach in the temple, and you know the story, Reverend Marvin, they tried to run him out of town after his first sermon. Try to push him off a cliff. Are y'all with me here? What am I saying? Trouble comes with this assignment, Reverend. Don't you think for one moment, Jesus, after being compelled, after being called, after being commissioned, went through all he did for the people. Can I call roll? Gave sight to the blind. Gave hearing to the deaf. Walked on water. Fed 5,000 with a few fish. Small loaves of bread. Curing leprosy. Cast out demons. And when he tried to compel them about the kingdom, they got mad. And said, we don't want you to be our savior. Can I tell you how his ministry in? One Friday night on a hill called Calvary. They marched him up the hill. Because he said, I'm the Messiah. I'm the bread of life. I've come that you might have life. More abundantly, they said, we don't want you. You got to die. Didn't they try to kill him? They stretched him high. And they dropped him low. He bowed his head. And gave up the ghost. Didn't he die? I said, didn't he die? They took the body down. Put it in another man's tomb. And early. 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 Sunday morning. Didn't he get up? With all power of heaven and earth in his hands. I'm closing now, but I hear music. Hang on with him and preach. It ain't going to be pretty, but preach. Hang on with him. There'll be trial and tribulation, but preach anyway. You got to die like Jesus died, but hang on. Because if you just hang on, you'll rise again. I'm closing now. But yeah, yeah. Ain't God alright? Ain't God alright? Ain't God alright? Do you love him today? Are you going to live for him today? Shake a neighbor's hand. Tell a neighbor, hold on. It's going to be alright. It's going to be alright. Can I sing my song? I got a feeling. Come on, help me. Everything's going to be all right. Whoa. Yeah, everything's going to be all right. Yeah. It's going to be all right. 